Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to have you with us another Friday evening, where we have the great privilege to break open the gospel reading that we will hear uh, on Sunday. And uh, this Friday, I'm excited because I do have a returning guest with me, Debbie Rosales. Debbie, it is great to have you with me another evening. It was great being here. So, Debbie... Third Sunday of Ordinary Time has us uh, returning to the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. And I think last time we were together, uh, we were reflecting into the Gospel of Mark. And one of the things that we do when we read Scripture is we always read it in context. So we will read some verses today from chapter 1, but we will offer some reflections Um, by way of context, and then we'll engage the verses themselves. As St. Teresa of Avila once said, you can spend a lifetime hanging on one verse. That seems a little embellished, but when you really think about what the Word of God is, what sacred Scripture is, God speaking to us, no embellishment, you know, every verse is vitally important for us to better understand the greater whole. And by that, I mean the greater whole of how God works in salvation history. And so this is what uh, this radio program is about from one week to the next. Yes, examining the verses in of themselves, but always doing so in light of the greater whole. So with that, Debbie, if you can get us going with, uh, with this evening's gospel. We're reading tonight from Mark 1, verses 14 through 20. After John had been arrested... Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little further and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat along with the hired men and followed him. Amen. Thanks for reading that, Deb. You know, in my initial reading, there was a word that just jumped out at me. And I thought, well, you know, that word isn't as important as some of these other words, kingdom, repent. And yet I kept on going back to that word. And that word was preached. A few weeks ago, we touched upon this idea of preaching tied to evangelization, right? Mm -hmm. Um, In Acts, we hear of preaching and teaching. Mm -hmm. Certainly those two words speak to these two modes of communicating the faith in its evangelization and catechesis. But there's something else here. And what's going on? Well, let's look at the context. For Mark, in his opening chapter, he wants us thinking about the authority of Christ, specifically to his power to exercise demons, right? I mean, what's going on in what he says? Up to this point, prophets prophesied about the Word of God. People talked about the Word of God. 
But the Word of God was never incarnate, right? The Word of God never had an audible sound. And oh, when it sounds, right? <laughs> the earth quakes. And when it does, it exercises demons. And in that power of the Holy Spirit, we are made to go deeper into what's going on here. Because it is in uh, speaking about Jesus Christ, it is in the power of the Holy Spirit that, Debbie, we can move mountains. I mean, there is power behind the name of Jesus Christ and power behind preaching his message. We just need to do it as Jesus does it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We are made to see that we share in this power. Certainly, the sacramental priesthood has a unique sharing in this power. And really, when you start talking about the exercising of the demons, Debbie, there is something that rightfully belongs to the priest alone. But, but we do share in this power. Christ confers this power upon us in baptism. And in baptism, we have been given the grace to share uniquely in the power of Jesus Christ. And we have authority. We have authority over the demons in this grace that, that God has given to us. And so, uh, very important uh, when we are thinking about this, because it also opens us up to think about our speech. I mean, is our speech reflecting the stuff of God? Is our speech pointing towards Jesus Christ? Is our speech a reflection of us living in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? This is the kind of thing we need to be thinking about. Now, what about his message? Uh, certainly, he had a very rich message in the gospel he read for us, Debbie, uh, some important words, repent, the gospel of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, and I would like to turn to Benedict's reflection on the gospel of God as it comes to us from the first volume of Jesus of Nazareth, because he offers us a rich historical soundbite into how to uh, better understand this. So maybe, Debbie, if you want to read for us uh, that now. The term has recently been translated as good news. That sounds attractive, but it falls far short of the order of magnitude of what is actually meant by the word evangelion. This term figures in the vocabulary of the Roman emperors who understood themselves as lords, saviors, redeemers of the world. The messages issued by the emperor were called in Latin evangelium. Regardless of whether or not their content was particularly cheerful or pleasant, the idea was that what comes from the emperor is a saving message, that it is not just a piece of news, but a change of the world for the better. When the evangelists adopt this word, and it thereby becomes the generic name for their writings, what they mean to tell us is this, what the emperors who pretend to be gods illegitimately claim really occurs here, a message endowed with plenary authority, a message that is not just talk, but reality. In the vocabulary of contemporary linguistic theory, we would say that the evangelium, the gospel, is not just inform informative speech, but performative speech, not just the imparting of information, but action, efficacious power, that enters into the world to save and transform. Mark speaks of the gospel of God, the point being that it is not the emperors who can save the world, but God. 
Amen. A message that actually saves. A message that is full with this plenary authority, this plenary grace, this message that is endowed with transformative power. This is what the new covenant is about, and this is the good news. Now, it's interesting, though, Debbie, you know, you hear the word repent, and that is not always a word that we jump out of bed for, huh? (laughs) It is often seen as almost something negative. But what is going on here? Just as the Baptist said, this is a message that prepares us. And so our Lord wants us to repent so that we might properly receive His grace. A message that is rich with meaning. You know, the word in the Greek is metanoia, a change of heart, a change of direction. You know, it's interesting here, Debbie, the phrase that our Lord uses, come follow me, literally translates as come get behind me. Okay, repent, believe in the good news, believe in this transforming, grace-filled message, and get behind me. I will show you the way. So this is uh, rich with meaning. He is telling us here, Debbie, if you want to know the peace that you long for, you must first repent, and I will give you that peace. I will restore you. No, it is not going to come with some political upheaval, but a spiritual renewal. Therein lies the wisdom of God. It's beautiful. Um, Father Barron gave a little, a little reflection on this in uh, the Magnificat this, um, this month, and he talks a little bit about repentance. And one of the things he takes away from the Greek is, and I really like this, go beyond the mind you have. Mm. That's how he translates repentance. Um, and, and then he goes on to say, it's a change in how we see the world. It's a change in how um, we react to the world, a change in our attitude, our perspective, that change, that metanoia that you Mm -hmm. talked about. But how beautiful to go beyond the mind that you have. Mm -hmm. Mm Because don't we just set our mind to something and that's kind of made up? Yep, yep. And and so I love that. It's, It's this act of will in the repentance as well. It's that turning, metanoia is that turning, how we see things. All must change, he says. We must see all in the eyes of Christ. What a different world. What Mm -hmm. a metanoia there would be. Yeah. It's decisive. Mm -hmm. It's decisive. You know, Archbishop Fulton Sheen once said, once our Lord has gripped your heart, you will be changed forever. You will never look back. Mm-hmm. Because it is this singular laser-like focus on the person of Jesus Christ. And you're just trusting him. Right. He's guiding you, mm-hmm. right? This is what happens with the calling of the four in today's gospel. You know, the two pairs of brothers. We have Simon and Andrew and James and, and John. What's going on there? You know, they have this encounter, this arrest of some sort based upon what they saw. He was passing by, right? Mm-hmm. You know, people pass by us all the time. We're here in the studio and two gentlemen just pass by, right? <laughs> people are passing by all the time. But the look, the gaze, yes. he stopped and his eyes must have pierced their souls. And in doing so, they just immediately, as scripture reminds us, arose and went. And when they did, they didn't turn back. They just followed him, that laser-like focus. They just followed. They didn't, 
They didn't ask Debbie, uh, you know, what is uh, our, our rate pay here? You know, what is, uh, uh, do, do we get an insurance policy with this package? You know, it's like, uh, what, what, what's our level of commitment? Yes, exactly. You know, what's, what's our vacation time? That's you know, right. This is absolute. I am going to follow you. And in doing so, I am not going to look back. What is underneath repentance? The Greek metanoia, it speaks to the contrition, mm-hmm. being uh, sorry for your sin, that authentic, contrite heart, and at the same time, that deep resolve mm-hmm. to change. It's in that resolve that really leads you into that laser-like focus. You look at the word resolve, and it's interesting. The, in the Latin, resolutio, it means to simplify things. Hmm? Mm-hmm. You know, Debbie, as we're speaking here about uh, resolution, uh, this brings us to a discussion on the sacrament of confession, right? At least our act of contrition. What's in the act of contrition? Well, what's in the act of contrition is what's in metanoia. Because if a contrite heart and at the same time resolve is what makes up our metanoia, well, is this not our act of contrition? Is not our act of contrition a metanoia? Because what do we give in our act of contrition? But we express our our sorrow for our sin, and at once resolve to change our ways. Every time we come out from the sacrament of confession, we are being renewed by way of what? A new metanoia. And so we are to leave that sacrament with a changed heart, abandoning our old bad habits and embracing the habits that rightfully belong to Jesus Christ, embracing the virtues that Jesus Christ embodied not being like Jesus, but being Jesus. This is our vocation. This is our call. And when we enter into this dynamic, what stirs within our heart is a renewed conviction. Again, that laser-like focus, that single-mindedness upon Jesus Christ. Amen to that. Oh, by the way, Debbie, this is the same kind of focus that we see from the two pairs of brothers, right? But they, they were first gripped by that encounter. Huh? We saw the same thing with the Samaritan woman, huh? Mm-hmm. Just gripped by that encounter. The hemorrhaging woman, all she did was touch the cloak of Christ. The, the prostitute, we can go on. Right. One after another, we see these men and women of, of faith have this encounter with the Word incarnate, and their lives are forever changed. It's um, striking, uh, the level of trust here. Yes. Really, it's yes. striking. yes. How many of us would just uh, throw down our livelihood, throw down our nets, turn away from our family, and follow a charismatic man? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's to me, this is quite quite striking. It's like we know a whole lot more about Jesus Christ than Simon and Andrew. John and James did. Uh, well, I was just about to say, Debbie, who, who they don't even know. Yeah, they don't right? know Certainly, him. they were following the Baptist. Sure. And the Baptist was preparing the way. And the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God. You know, we were talking about that last week. He gave him an endorsement. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I mean, hey, I mean, how many endorsements have we yeah. given and people haven't followed her? Right? Yeah. <laughs> it does speak to the profound trust and the extraordinary grace that comes with encountering Christ. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, Debbie, that we should not overlook. We've seen other encounters in the gospel narrative where they didn't respond. Mm -hmm. Okay, so these four, of course, Matthew, the tax collector, responds. He just immediately arises. What about the rich young man? Mm -hmm. He has this encounter. Mm -hmm. huh? He has this encounter with the word of God, God incarnate. And he says, but 
but sell all I have? Are you suggesting, Lord of lords, that you want me to, to get rid of my father's inheritance and, and follow you? Exactly. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So it does also speak to the greatness of these four men and their yes, mm-hmm. does it not? Yeah. And uh, we should not overlook that because ultimately we have a free will. Mm-hmm. We can say yes, we can say no. And it's based upon that free will, the, the capacity and the will to say yes or no, that we recognize the greatness of the yes. Mary could have said no. Yeah. <laughs> As St. Bonaventure said, all of creation did a, a gasp, <gasps> you know, when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary because she, she could have said no. Sure. Right. Sure. And uh, it highlights the gift of free will and the importance of dropping their nets and just, you know, we're done here mm-hmm. and it's time to, to follow you. It's interesting that you mentioned Mama Mary because that's exactly what this narrative reminded me of was mm-hmm. um, the humility of our yes, of mm. our fiat. Yes. It takes great humility. Um, is that what was lacking in the rich young man? The humility to follow? Mm. Um, attachment, you know? He was burdened maybe with many things, much like they say Martha was, yep, yep, and Mary yep. chose the better part. So you see this this constant humility versus Maybe not so humble. Yeah. And we all have that choice, you know, to go with the the greatest of all virtues, humility. He's calling us all to it and from which all other virtue stems. Mm -hmm. Or we can choose and he allows us through our free will to do that as well. Amen, Debbie. And is there not that interior tension inside Mm -hmm. of all of us? Right. And you use the word attachments. That's where the tension lies. And that's, I'm Mm -hmm. sure, what was going on inside of the heart of this rich young man. Yes. He was saying to him, I'm giving you a new start, Mm -hmm. a new beginning this day. And he turned it down. How many times have we turned it down? It's interesting, Debbie. We heard from the gospel today the phrase, the time was fulfilled. And we read this text uh, in two levels, in two senses. The first, the literal sense, the historical context, that indeed Christ entered into human history in the Incarnation 2014 years ago to save us from our sin. Amen. The time was right. From all eternity, God picked that moment in Kronos to grace us with God's time, Kairos. Amen. But we also should hear those words in our everyday life. The time was fulfilled. Did the rich young man hear those words? The time was fulfilled for you now, this moment. Your whole life was prepared for this moment. And did he accept it? No. But here we have the calling of the four. Their time was fulfilled for this moment. And I was reflecting upon this, Debbie, quite a bit today. And and actually, I've been reflecting upon this with other radio programs. To hear those words is to see how God is working providentially in our life each and every moment of our day. You know, there are big moments in our lives, and there are little moments in our lives. And God speaks to us in the big and the little. And He says to us, Debbie, time is fulfilled. I have prepared you for this moment to say that yes, to do the will of God, to embrace the cross. Mm -hmm. We look at situations in our lives, Debbie, and we say, I can't bear this cross. I cannot accept this right now. But what God says to us each and every day in all of the minutia of our life, time is fulfilled 
for you to enter into all that I have for you in this moment. What you did 10 years ago, eight years ago, four years ago, a year ago has prepared you for this moment. Understand that I have you in my providential care. Understand that I see what is going to happen two days, five days, 10 days from now, if you say yes to me in this moment. And are we willing to accept that? Because every time we say yes, what does it lead to? Oh, I think we've talked about this before, Debbie. The adventure Mm. that is the great Christian Catholic vocation, we Mm -hmm. say yes. Because every yes leads to that which our wildest imaginings could never grasp. You look at the lives of the saints and what they accomplished, and we say, how did they do that? Well, they... They did it first by saying what? Yes. Mm-hmm. With a deeper understanding of God speaking to them in all of the particularities of that minutia and God saying to them, time has been fulfilled for this moment, enter into my eternal design. So he invites us, Debbie, he calls us as he called these two pairs of brothers uh, that we read about this evening, Simon, and Andrew, James, and John. Are we going to drop everything and Mm -hmm. say, God, I surrender. Are we watchful? Are we ready? Mm -hmm. Are we willing? Okay, these are the words that should be echoing in mind and heart when we read these narratives that have us reflecting upon all of these great callings. And also, Debbie, when we read of the saints, the lives of the saints, how their yes gives us a deeper sense of what it means to trust in God. We have 2,000 years of thousands of men and women who have showed us what holiness looks like. Are we willing to surrender? Are we willing to drop everything for the sake of the kingdom of God? This is what Jesus is asking us today. Are we willing to follow his path and the paths of those who we call saints? Inspiring. Inspiring uh, is the word I kind of kept getting as I was uh, reading scripture. And it came to me, you know, what holds the rest of us back? It's not like the Lord loved the apostles more than he loves us. Mm -hmm. It's not like he gave them a different Holy Spirit than he gives us. It's the same, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He loves you, Joe, just as much as he loved Peter. And so I, 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 I was kind of delving into this a bit. What holds us back from lighting the world on fire with the Holy Spirit working within us? And you know, it's complex, but, but I thought to myself, what net do you need to drop, Debbie? What net do you need to drop in your life? What holds you back from jumping in? Mm-hmm. You know, so many times Peter just jumps in, he jumps yep. into the water, he swims in the water. He just, he's just such a spontaneous soul. And what holds me back? What are mm-hmm. the nets that are holding me back? Fear? Fear. Lack of yeah. trust? Mm-hmm. Maybe lack in my interior life? Mm-hmm. All those things and more, I'm sure. And as you're talking there, Debbie, I, I think you also touched upon something there a few minutes ago, that God loves us all the same. We think in our mind and heart, and I've been in, in a number of correspondences with people recently about this, that what we have done in our sin is, is so tragic, is so bad, that God frowns upon us, mm-hmm. right? But what we have to understand is this. There is nothing so great that we can do that God is going to love us more. 
And at the same time, there is nothing so tragic that God is going to love us any less. Absolutely. Because God is love. And as Jesus Christ says there in John 14, 6, I am the way, uh, the life, and the truth. Not I am a, but I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth. He is absolute. He is unchanging. There is nothing that we can do that can add to his love. Our vocation, our calling is first to enter into this love and understand that he shows us what this love looks like par excellence on the cross mm-hmm. when he says what? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As St. John Paul II once said in his great encyclical, uh, Rich in Mercy, mercy is the chief attribute of God, and it is love's second name. Mm-hmm. This is what we are called to enter into with a deeper understanding that he is the prodigal father. He is running to us. Yes, That's all he desires. And I think when we understand this, yes, the fear that we have will begin to dissipate. Mm-hmm. Because as we've touched upon before, huh, fear is the opposite of love. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't allow love to uh, surrender. Right. Ultimately, what is the great passage from Paul to Romans, what, Romans 8, verses 14 to 17, when he says, we did not receive the spirit of slavery in which we fall back into fear, but we receive the spirit of sonship in which we cry, Abba, Father. Mm-hmm. Okay, fear and love. And the Abba, Father is, is that love of sonship. And this is what we are called to enter into as sons and daughters of God. This is what lies at the heart of our faith. And why? Because in that sonship is the encounter realized. Certainly, first and foremost, in the Mass. Okay, the Mass is where we enter into that most profound personal encounter, where in the Eucharist, Christ enters into a bridal union with our souls. And when we pray uh, the Divine Office, when we pray the Rosary, and when we, when we pray these formal prayers with the Mass at the center, certainly we enter into that encounter. But what we are also made to see is how that formal prayer vests all of the other informal moments and and how it allows us to to better see how God is working in our everyday life and experience the encounter each and every day throughout the day. Amen to that. This again is another key piece that comes to us from today's gospel. Because if we do not have that sense of presence that God is working in my life right now, Mm -hmm. if we are not aware, then we will miss God working in our life. And isn't that a tragedy, Debbie? We are to embrace uh, the gift of time for that, a gift, and see it as an opportunity to grow in God's life and love. You know, we use the, the phrase, you know, we're asked, what are you doing? And we say, oh, just killing time. Do we realize what we're saying when we say we're killing time? Let us see time as a gift and enter into the ways in which God is calling us to love and be loved. And it's our basic need, love. Mm -hmm. Our basic need. Every single one of us. We yearn for it. And we've been talking about this a great deal in Theology of the Body. We are wired for God, which means we are wired for love. Mm -hmm. Even in our anthropology, everything that we do, it's constantly moving towards God. We can reject God. But who turns down a gift of their wildest dreams when it is presented before them? And Debbie, our gospel this evening, we are being given a gift. And that is 
the good news of Jesus Christ, and let us never be caught turning it down. <laughs> let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.